What's up, guys, and welcome back to the podcast. I'm Frankie. And I'm Alex. And together, we are FNA Van Life. This is the show where every week we bring you news to the nomadic community or interviews with other nomads so that you can know what it's really like to live life on the road. And this week, we got a banger for you guys. We have other nomads that we have on the podcast. We have Born and Bound. And this is Ken and Molly. They're an amazing couple. Uh, Just a little quick update from the road. Right now, it is the summertime, like midsummer. And uh, man... It's probably getting hot wherever you are, but we are mid renovations right now. And I can tell you that it's not easy. It's hot renovation for sure. You kind of have to like pace yourself because the van doesn't have any of the systems kind of up and running. So it's not even like you could be blowing the fan or (laughs) any of these things. So we have to kind of we're grateful that we're somewhere that we can be inside, outside, get a cold drink, like do all these things. Um, Super grateful for that because it would be very hard to be building and living in this space when it's so hot. And especially for you, Alex, being pregnant, like we're getting close to the due date, too. So like, you know, life Life is changing. Mm -hmm. It's feeling crazy. It's feeling big. (laughs) Well, just the belly at least. (laughs) Life is going big for us. We're super excited for what this future has and what it holds for us. But let's go a little bit back into the past. Um, You know, Ken and Molly have built now two vans. And so they know exactly what this is like to build um, in when it's hot outside or when it's cold outside. You know, we all go through it. Um, But I'm looking for, I want to talk a little bit about when we met them first. Uh, we met them at VanFest USA and instantly I felt like we had a connection with them. Mm-hmm. I think we met them shortly after the event. Well, we met them at, well, I met them at the event. Oh, okay. I went and I saw their van. I actually think I might have a, uh, a video in my phone. From oh, it. funny. So maybe we'll post that on Instagram. Um, but yeah, so I met them at the event and then we wound up meeting them after we wound up doing a hike in like Bryce Canyon with them and stuff. Mm-hmm. And that was, it was an incredible time. We were kind of just around like a group of people that we really, truly enjoyed. Mm-hmm. And if you're enjoying this podcast, be sure to give it five stars wherever you're listening, because it really helps the channel grow and find new nomads and helps keep us motivated to keep finding these stories from the road to bring them to you guys. Yeah, we're so thankful for you guys. If it wasn't for you, we would not be here making this content. And we love to make it like the podcast is almost like a getaway for us. You know, we get to just just chat it up with you guys and, and really show our authentic self on top of, you know, what we show on the videos. Well, and the nice thing about this episode, too, we haven't seen Molly and Ken since we were at that event with them almost two plus years ago. So for us, it's a really nice chance to reconnect with people that we really like, that we vibe with, that we connect with. And so van life is like that sometimes, like you'll meet somebody, you'll have this connection and then the road takes you different ways. And usually you end up meeting up again couple months, couple weeks, maybe a year. But, you know, it doesn't sound like we're going to be on the same side of the continent as Molly and Ken for a while. So episodes like this really give us a chance to catch up with people that are doing really cool things that we wish we could be with in person. Yeah. And I love the rig that they built just recently. I think it's a really good idea for a rig, especially if you need a little bit more space or if you're growing a family like we might be. So this might be potentially something that we might be building down the road. Mm-hmm, the box truck life. But as you guys will see, it's not all it's cracked up to be. No, not at all. Let's jump right into it. For sure. We're so excited to have you guys here. I feel like we met so long ago. 
And so much has happened. We're both in different rigs. We're both in different parts of the world now. Um, But what really, like thinking back to when we first met, what I loved was your story about how you kind of first downsized into a tiny home and then Mm -hmm. downsized from the tiny home into the tiny van. So maybe you could kind of take us on that journey of like how you went from traditional, you know, corporate living house, the whole like, what you're supposed to want and then how that eventually turned into you guys living in a van down in Mexico. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I think I can start off on yeah. the first part. Uh, so when we first met each other back in 2013, right. Something like that. Something yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, we always talked about how we wanted to travel in a way and that, you know, had led to conversations of backpacking and, things like that. But then later on in our relationship, we knew that we wanted a certain type of mobile vehicle, but we didn't know about going from a house to that small space right away. So we actually uh, purposefully downsized Mm -hmm. into 267 square feet in our tiny home. I think that kind of gave us the push of, you know, living more minimal, um, Mm -hmm. things like that. So uh, that's how it first started. Yeah. was kind of like the perfect stepping stone, I think, because um, it challenged us to see if we really are compatible enough to fit in this tiny square footage. <laughs> um, and it originally we were like, oh, we're going to tow this tiny house all around the country. This is the vehicle. And then once you live oh, yeah. in it, you're it feels huge. And you're like, OK, well, we also have to buy a truck. And what if we mix, miss our exit? How are we going to do a U-turn? Like there's these things um and you have to pack your tiny house up with any vehicle but there's open shelves and all this stuff um so traveling in the tiny house was um quickly we quickly realized that traveling in the tiny house was not going to happen um and we needed a place to live and a place to feel comfortable because we still had a couple years of savings to do um and once we good about that sold the tiny house bought the van and converted the van over nine months. Yep. And uh, hit the road and um, sold the van. And here we are in a box truck. <laughs> wow. We traveled in the van for about 18, 18 months. Yeah, 18, 19 months. Yeah. Sold it and then took about four and a half, five months to build this out, which we relocated down to Florida to build in the warmth. Um, yeah, we've done one build. Not that Texas winters are terrible, but we've done one build in the winter down there, and uh, we weren't going to do it again. <laughs> yeah. Well, depending on where you are in Texas, too, right? Because there's like the yeah. northern part of Texas, and there's mountain ranges in Texas that could get mm-hmm. below freezing, and yeah. even see a little bit of snow. It, absolutely. Uh, when we were building out our van, we had like the snow apocalypse happen in Texas, where the entire state shut down for like a week um and then we went to cancun we, yeah, we, oh, we saw it coming we flew to cancun <laughs> <laughs> when we were building the box truck in florida um there was like another massive ice storm that happened so we got lucky by uh, skating by on that one and not having to experience it but yep yeah, yeah. it's been a wild ride man <laughs> sorry about that oh frank's ringing yeah. oh it's all good put That's your fun. ringer off Oh. Someone professional. 
This is the first podcast. Right? It, it is. Well, uh, it hasn't been doing this for 130 podcasts or something like that. <laughs> oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, so as far as now, I mean, we've been in the rig for almost three months. And we've taken it out to the back end, the last week of spring ski in Colorado. Mm-hmm. And then head down, made our way down to Baja. So we yes. think like we've broken her in pretty pretty well especially sometimes in Baja, so. more 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 ways than we would like it to get broken into uh not that we got broken into but you know systems failing and mechanical issues things like that mm-hmm. part of it yeah we know all about that jam <laughs> um, but so the van that you guys had was a very new van right mm-hmm. well, it was uh what, what year was your van it was 2015. 2015. Yeah, 2015. Uh, okay, but that's still, new at that time. You know, like yeah. a very reliable vehicle, mm-hmm. right? And so then that. you switch into this box truck, which I guess you were probably also hoping was going to be a reliable vehicle, but has turned out to have a lot more issues. And so we recently went from a ProMaster, which was a very reliable vehicle, and switched mm-hmm. into this 1985 camper. And everybody is like, why on <laughs> earth? would you make that switch like that's so ludicrous and we have our own personal reasons and so but I would love to hear what your guys reasoning was for selling this kind of like luxurious gorgeous your build was beautiful like thank you you know there was probably nothing wrong with that van at all but then Mm -hmm. you decided that you wanted to make this switch up yeah um well (laughs) no we can I mean it's I think ultimately the big concern was a workspace. Yeah. And uh, the van was great as far as the space goes when it wasn't. So, yeah, we just needed a bigger workspace. And yeah, when we when we built up the van, um, we didn't have the mindset of, oh, we need a place to eventually get a job and be able to work comfortably inside the vehicle we had like a swivel seat with a lagoon mount and we thought that that would work and then year and a half later can actually got a job and was working full-time in the van and we very quickly realized that the layout was functioning for us um because he would work in the center of the van on the couch kind of facing inwards towards the kitchen which then meant I had to like crawl around him or if I want to get in the kitchen I had to wait till he was on break and I got kind of like stuck in the bed area and um absolutely hated it it was every day of just like not being able to move um and after like doing that for what like two months uh, we kind of made the ultimate decision of are we done with this lifestyle or not and if we're not are we going to do the box truck? Cause we've been talking about it for so long. It was kind of an mm-hmm. idea that was floating in our head and finally pulled the trigger. And, you know, we weren't, we weren't done. We weren't, we weren't ready to throw it in the towel to the nomadic lifestyle that we'd been living and uh, needed to upgrade our house. <laughs> so we mm-hmm. did, and we got a, a bigger space and when we did the layout for the box truck, we made sure that it had an, an office that was separate from the rest of the main living spaces. So that way, if he was working, I could still cook and work in the living room um, and have it function for both of us and the dogs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, it looks like a beautiful space. Um, 
what you. what did you what would you say that you could have done differently in your first rig to have that workflow lifestyle balance uh like if you didn't change over to the to the box truck probably would have to sacrifice a bathroom of some sort to have yeah. a private space but or we had like a small l-shaped couch and that kind of like pulled out into a guest bed and maybe instead of doing that we could have done like a tiny two-person no. dinette kind yeah. of thing um that's really the only thing we've kind of come up with because we liked mm -hmm. we loved the layout and the van was right and it felt good until it wasn't right anymore mm -hmm. that makes sense and no i think it's no. just strictly hard to go back now that we have two extra feet in width yeah that's Gaining the width in the box truck is, I think, the best thing. And I get why people do schoolies and there's RVs and things yep. like that. Just having the width alone is a game changer. So you're not doing the tango all the time with your partner trying to get past each other. It's nice. <laughs> that was one big, re one huge reason why in our in our second van that we built, we made sure that have like enough space for us to easily walk by each other. So mm -hmm. we did like custom cabinets. To where you know they're they're way more like maybe you had 17 inches only rather than mm -hmm. like the standard 20 plus 20. you know i think it's like 22 23 inches is like a standard maybe it might even be more i think it's like 36 20, it might be it might be like 27 i don't know but it, it's that's a huge difference in space when you have such yeah. a tiny space to work in and one thing i liked about ours was like the dinette area in the back even though you had to make it you had to make it into a dinette and then back into a bed it mm -hmm. did give you that opportunity to sit, you know, we could sit up to eight people in that back area, you know, which allowed us to have that kitchen and also still be able to sit in the front area. But we sacrificed the bathroom like you were talking about. We had a bathroom, but it was like a lift up styled, you know, bathroom. I think the big thing about Olive, though, being our second van is that it was our second van. Mm -hmm. And so when uh -huh. you're first getting on the road... It's hard to know exactly what your life is going to look like. And then, you know, like you guys, a year and a half later, a year later, your life has changed. And mm -hmm. so, you know, when you first got on the road, was the plan to only be on the road for a little while? Or were you just, you had savings that you were living on? And so now, Ken, you're working full time. What does that look like? Because that's also a big question people always want to know is how people are affording to live this lifestyle. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Uh, so as far as like now working, I think if you have a steady connection anywhere, I mean, you can work pretty much any remote job that you're qualified for. Um, they just, you know, it's just like working from home. Um, they just want you in a quiet space. So that was important for putting that in the box truck to make it all walled off. And it's pretty well insulated in there. She can barely hear when I'm on calls. Mm -hmm. Uh, but yeah, I mean, as far as, you know, being able to afford the lifestyle, what's really cool is that you can kind of control um, some of those big expenses, such as like, you you know, diesel right now is pretty expensive. Um, you can stay parked up, you know, for a week at a time or however long you need to help, you know, dilute that cost. So I think that's really cool. Um, mm -hmm. It's not super overbearing expensive to live i mean you're going to be paying at minimum just as much if not obviously more back living in an apartment or things of that nature so um no utility bill off grid so that's great yeah. and it's yeah i think that's you know the big thing 
for, for whenever we hit the road, um, we basically for seven years, we worked in real estate in Austin and over the course of seven years, we were stashing away cash. We right. would get paychecks and, you know, we wouldn't go blow it on cars and purses and all the things. Um, we made our own breakfast. And I mean, granted, we would go out to eat quite a bit, but, you know, we were we were budgeting in areas so much so that we moved into a tiny house, you know, and then at one point we were living with my mom for 10 months, you know, so we were finding different ways to save money um, to be able to hit the road and not have a job. So we could do like a semi-retirement for however long we saw fit until we started kind of running out of cash. And um, we didn't really budget well our first year and a half. Um, We kind of just said yes to every experience, which was cool in its own sense because, you know, we got to go skydiving and do um, side-by-side off-roading and Moab and all this kind of like crazy stuff. But, you know, whenever you have only so much money in your bank account and then you spend it all and you want to keep doing what you're doing, you got to get a job. So yeah, Ken uh, stepped up and got employed um, uh, remotely. And um, that's kind of been sustaining us and keeping us on the, on the road ever since. So what? So what are you? What are you doing? Uh, like exactly for work? I know that you have like your separate space, and um, I know that you guys also do some social media related stuff as well. Are you still? Are you still doing that? Are you bringing any income from that? Uh, what What does that look like? Well, green. So I'm in uh, just remote sales, and great news about Molly is she's been working really hard, reaching out to branding companies for like UGC content. And she's got a couple things in the works. Yeah. So Ken's doing pest control sales. And in the meantime, and it's perfect because the as long as you stay on the West Coast, he's off by 2.30 every day, which mm-hmm. still allows us to go explore and hike and swim and do all the fun things that van lifers love doing. Um, and yeah, I've been trying to get a little bit more brand collaborations going um, via like UGC. So that way I'm basically making content for brands for them to post on their own uh, personal channels and run ads and things like that. Um, And then today I got a remote commission-based only sales opportunity. uh, So I have to get a licensing for that. And um, occasionally Ken and I will fly back to Texas to do contract work for a land development company and sell acreage lots and that's like once every other month or so um so those are kind of like our our income streams right now um Mm. ken's job is our primary income source that we can rely on and keeps food on the table sick so when you have to fly back say to do the other job uh Mm -hmm. what do you do with the dogs during that time So we always have this discussion when the invite comes out for that contract work of, are we both going or is just one of us going to go? And in the, in the past we have done um, a trip where both of us have gone together at the same time. And um, we will just leave the vehicle at the uh, airport and then the dogs will put uh, in a Rover home. So, uh, we'll find a, another home that is either has other dogs that are friendly or 
is just the human and um yeah they'll just hang out with a little like at a, a They'll just hang out with a uh, rover babysitter, essentially, for the amount of days that we're gone. And then the times that it's just me, you know, obviously Ken stays, takes care of the house, takes care of the dogs, and hopefully it's a successful weekend. Mm -hmm. I think that's great. I mean, most nomads have, well, like us, especially, you know, a little bit from here and a little bit from here. And then, you know, obviously you guys have your primary income source with Ken, which might not be like your dream and your passion in life to do mm -hmm. pest control sales. Um, but you know, it is the passion. It is. Oh, yeah, no. Yeah, no, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> my passion is pest control. It runs. <laughs> Runs deep in my blood. <laughs> <laughs> well, pardon me, I misspoke. I put words in your mouth. I'll take them back. <laughs> but you know, it's great that all of these opportunities are available. And then through your other connections and through the social media, then you're able to kind of supplement a little bit. Um, so would you guys say that you're able to like save money on the road now? Yeah. We haven't kind of gotten to that point yet. Um, we are still kind of working through things. It, it's hard when you keep having like mechanical repairs. Because um, you're like, ooh, this paycheck, finally, you know, we'll get to keep some of the money. And then you're like, oh, crap, I need new injectors. Oh, crap, I need a new belt. Oh, crap, I need, you know, a new power steering line. And it, it seems to happen, of course, when the bigger commission checks come in where you feel like you can actually save and then, you know, maintenance calls um so we know that eventually we'll be able to start having some uh, money that we can save and stash away but we're not at that point yet um because um fan life you know <laughs> <laughs> well even just like building a new rig can be very expensive yeah. so like yes oh, you sold sure. your rig oh yeah and you had you know, probably like a bit of a nest egg or like an influx from that. But then you turn around and you put it all into this new one. Yeah. And then now you're having all these troubles and stuff. So can you kind of, can you explain like, what is the box truck? What is, you know, the engine, the chassis? Like, I don't know if we've had that many box truck people on. So maybe like some box truck things that we should oh, be looking for. Oh yeah, guys, just so you know, you're box truck people now, not van life people. Van I know, van. box truck life. Yeah, van, <laughs> vans don't wave anymore when you try I know. to wave. Oh, they, so we get waves from like semi-drivers. Yeah, <laughs> it's a it's a whole new life uh, lifestyle out here, guys. Yeah. So uh, yeah, with the vehicle, um, it's a tool truck and... We pretty, you know, obviously demo took all the shelving out and just made it into our own. Uh, it's a GMC C fifty five hundred six six liter, and it's pre def. So that was the difference, you know, from what we had in our van, mm -hmm. uh, as we had uh, def fluid that we had to put into our van for yeah. the emissions. But this is prior to two thousand ten. It's an 06. So so if you have, have a diesel vehicle um that's after yeah 2000 2010 um you have to add like basically a additive to your diesel tank uh, or diesel system um that helps with emissions so basically it gives you cleaner uh smoke coming out of your exhaust pipe that's what they say yeah and um <clears throat> whenever we were having mechanical issues with our van it was always designed around that system so when we were getting a new vehicle we wanted it to a pre-emissions vehicle um that was kind of important for us but um yeah in in terms of size of this thing um 
It is 17 feet long in terms of like the box truck. So we have 17 feet of living space. The overall vehicle is 26 feet long. And then um, we're eight feet. No, we're seven feet tall and like seven and a half feet wide. Um, for the interior. For the interior of the box. Yeah. And um, in terms of what a tool truck is, if y'all don't know, basically it is, there's companies like Matco, Gear Wrench, things like that, where you have these men or women, uh, <laughs> <laughs> where you have people that um, basically use the, the box truck as their, their business. So they'll have display cases, displaying all the tools and things like that. And they'll go around to mechanic shops selling those tools. So whenever we were demoing, I mean, we were taking out old insulation, old shelving, old electrical. Even an old it, office. Yeah. And getting it down to the bare bones. So that way we could put in our systems and, um, and kind of give us a blank slate and start building from there. Nice. Did that give you the opportunity to like reutilize any, like the insulation or anything like that? Um, so we try to reuse some of like the the, the 12, yeah, we use, reuse some of the 12 volt wiring that he had in here. And then we reused all the wall and ceiling panels. Um, we removed like the carpet that was on them and it exposed like car- particle board essentially, or not particle board, mm-hmm. uh, OSB wood. OSB. So yeah. we just then put a quarter inch smooth piece of plywood on top of that so that way we had uh, like nice smooth flat walls um mm-hmm. so yeah we reused some of those and then we sold like the old inverter and batteries nice. um and things like that that came with the vehicle um but for the most part the shelving and cabinets we completely gutted yeah scratched those because um you know the the space is very custom and if the measurements of things aren't, aren't right. You know, we're not going to force something just to save some money here and there. If we want this to be our last build, I think that's what everyone says. This is our final build. And then they buy people. No, I'm just <laughs> waiting for the school, the schoolie in the next two years or something. <laughs> yeah. They say the third one is the final one. <laughs> that's what, yeah, that's... Well, okay. If we're counting the tiny house, hopefully this counts as the third, right? Oh, okay. <laughs> it's yeah, our third home on wheels. You never, never know. We'll see. We'll no, see. Yeah. But for right now, the space, it's uh, perfect. It, yeah, it's a perfect build. It's 120 square feet livable. So we're very comfortable. Yeah. I mean, the dogs have their own space. We have enough space for guests. We've already had one guest stay with us down in Baja. Yeah. Um, really enjoyed that time. And then we have a whole yeah. closet, people like going from an That's upper right. cabinet where you have packing cubes to a full on drawer. Closet. Yeah. You have drawers for clothes. I can't tell you how much our life has improved just from doing laundry <laughs> and not That's having to right. deal with packing cubes anymore. <laughs> That's hilarious. So you guys are pretty tall. Uh, explain to us how tall you guys are and like, how does that affect you in the living space or if it does anymore at all? Sure. So uh, we were able to stand in the van. It was six, three and a half interior finish and we're both six, one. Uh, but here, um, we we even have a raised floor by eight inches to you know store our winter's gear and toiletries and things like that in a in a hatch system. So with that standing on top of that in the living space in the hallway bathroom, um, it's about seven feet. So yeah, it's seven feet before we raise the floor. So yep. we stand at like six four, 
um, with the, the storage hatches below our feet. There are areas in the build, like in the office, where we raise the floor in there 12 inches. So it stands at six feet. So we technically can't stand fully erected. Um, but that's because we have our our battery system and electrical system under there. So we needed just a little bit more height. Mm -hmm. And then in our off or sorry, and then in our um, living, living room, room, our bed just the mattress alone is 10 inches plus the bed frame. So um, it's the interior height in the living room is like five, nine, five, ten. Um, so in here, we also cannot stand fully erect, but in our kitchen, our closet area, and in the bathroom, we are able to stand no problem without yeah. hunching. Yeah, no problem at all. And in, in the living room as well, like she said, it's about five, nine, five, ten. So we're pretty much, you know, we just get in you know, sit down on the L couch and it's perfect height from that and the difference to the bed frame. Yeah. Um, so average height humans could totally live in this. Like for us, we would probably like, have 12 inches yes. above our head. I could like <laughs> exactly. throw my arms in the air and wave them yeah. like I just didn't care. <laughs> exactly. I feel like the Taj Mahal in here, you know? <laughs> yeah. This is definitely a big grow from the, van. the interior van. Yeah. And, and like Ken said earlier, just after being in this for three months, and we loved our van. It, again, it was something well, that times. functioned so well for us until it didn't. And just being in here and looking back, I don't think we would ever go back. Because it's like you see just how much better it could be just having those extra inches and feet here and there. They really do make an impact to your quality of life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's so amazing. And I think it's interesting that you actually chose to have a couple areas in the build where you couldn't stand all the way because mm -hmm. obviously in designing it maybe I don't know you could have did it a little bit different or something but like you know you purposefully were like okay we're okay with the fact that we can't be fully upright in the living room mm -hmm. for example um was that like a conscious thing or yes yes uh, we we wanted to make sure you know with standing while cooking, you know, just those normal day-to-day -day activities is where we could stand. I mean, in the van, you know, when we are just sitting on the couch, I mean, we're already sitting down, so that wasn't yeah. a big deal. Um, the office, though, I mean, we had to raise it up uh, four more inches uh, just because of the electrical system. But in there, again, it's just an office, so just walk right in and yeah. sit right back down. So. It's it's like a lot of different like weighing that you have to do in your head. So we wanted a a living room that felt like a living room, like a big L-shaped couch, could host people, have game nights, things like that. But when you do that, obviously that takes up quite a bit of a footprint on your build. Like it takes up literally like a third of the space. So um, we don't have a fixed bed. So whenever you make that decision, it is how do you get a bed in the space? Is it something that converts like a dinette? Um, we chose the elevator bed, but if you do that, you lose all the space that a fixed bed, you know, had. Um, so it was figuring out how can we integrate storage in this build, but still um, get the, the, the layout that we want. And so raising the floor in the main living space and raising the floor in the office was our, our thought, um, and doing it to where we could be comfortable when we're cooking and still be able to stand knowing that the office is a place that we're going to be sitting most of the time. Um, that didn't really bother us, um, having a higher floor there. All right. So I, I love this. I love the fact that you guys have made some major changes uh, into this new rig to make sure that you guys are 
extremely comfortable while traveling. But now I want to know more about like, what do you guys do when you're van life in it or traveling? Like what are that, some of the activities that you love and what like put you into this lifestyle? So we are outdoors people. Uh, when we were back in Austin, we were always at the green belts, parks, the lake. Uh, so being out, especially West was huge for us to go explore as far as more hiking. Um, any lake that we're on, uh, we're always using the paddle boards. Mm-hmm. Uh, the dogs too, I mean, they deserve to be outside. So that was a huge component, um, you know, that motivates us to always, you know, either run trails or uh, just spend time outside. Uh, yeah, I mean. We like to ski and snowboard. So yeah. we have a whole hatch in our build dedicated winter sports gear. Uh, so that way we can chase powder when it happens. Um, and, you know, the whole reason why we're in a vehicle traveling around the U.S. and North America is because of the dogs. If the dogs didn't exist in our life, we would probably be backpacking in Europe right now. But, um, you know, we want to give them the best retirement that we know how. And we want to be able to travel and not be bound to an apartment or a house. And so this was the best option for us. And it just so happens that we get to do all of our favorite activities while we travel. That's awesome. By the way, I'm still a little sad and upset that we haven't chased powder together. Border I know. I'm still oh. trying to figure out what's going on there. We're still thinking uh, we're probably going to go icon this year. Yeah. So we did the epic the last two seasons, and we just want new mountains. And we have some buddies that are doing the icon. So we're going to give it a go. Which pass are y'all doing? Are y'all going to board have this the year? icon? Yo, there it <laughs> is. Yeah, for sure, hundred percent. I mean, we'll have a little one with us this time around, so Perfect. we'll do as much shredding as we can. But um, but we we'll definitely have some obligations to to make sure. I might have to get a little bag and strap the little one up to me. That's right. No, you got to <laughs> definitely have to. Yeah, we would absolutely love to snowboard with y'all. Um, I talked two seasons ago and i feel like i can keep up now with with the the, with the pack i mean obviously like i can't do cool tricks and stuff but my speed's getting there i would love to have some snowboarding buddies i got a skier over here oh double sticking yeah i have have class class. (laughs) i'll be able to go to alta All right. So let me ask you guys this. You finished your box truck build um, and it was really cool watching you kind of like document the whole like week one, week two, week three on social media. And then I feel like you were immediately in Baja, which feels like a really strong choice for like your shakeout trip in this like rig that like maybe you hadn't like how many miles had you actually driven on it, you know, to get it to Florida did you do a lot of mechanical work on it before you left or built it or whatever? And then obviously you can get into like everything that happened when you were in Baja with all the mechanical stuff that went wrong. Um, but maybe like some lessons learned or things for other people to look out for to not maybe end up in that same kind of situation. Yeah, there was definitely a, a time gap between um, when we hit the road and us being in Baja that we didn't really post much about. And it, I didn't know how to like kind of broach stuff like this on social media. And I know like we try to be honest and, and open to everyone. Um, but we actually had a massive 
repair, the most that we've ever spent on uh, vehicle maintenance uh, happened to us before we entered Baja. Um, so we finished the the build in Austin and we went to Colorado, snowboarded for the last two weeks of the season. And um, we headed to Las Vegas to have our buddy Mark uh, help install some exterior storage on our vehicle before we headed south into Mexico. And when we were in Las Vegas, um, we discovered that we needed um, eight new injectors in our engine and a new fuel pump and new pulleys on all the the belt system essentially. And that wiped us of every penny we had extra. Um, it was a massive cost. It was $12,000 and that was every bit of savings that we had left uh, to our name. So at that point we were questioning, um, do we really want to keep doing this or should we sell the vehicle? Cause it's now in really good condition to, you know, give away. I mean, it's barely lived in and it's got, you know, a lot of new components in the engine and fuel line system. And, you know, obviously we wanted to keep going and there as after we finished that repair, there were more things that started to pop up. I mean, our vehicle is a 2006 and it's got 176,000 miles on it. So it's part of it. And, and when we were eventually, you know, when we made it into Baja, our ultimate motivator there was we built out this rig in the winter. So we didn't want to miss Baja you know, for trying to go into our second season. So that's why we went down so late. But I mean, even down there, you guys know this. I mean, the roads are rough. Rough. They're okay. They're, you do have a pre, an appreciation when you do get back across the border for the roads. Uh, but yeah, just I mean, even heading back up north from when we were down south um, from La Paz. <laughs> You know, just hitting a pothole, cracked radiator. That was a whole nother experience. Um, you know, they didn't have that part because it's discontinued, you know, for our vehicle. So we had to find someone to get it to a carrier service in the States and have the carrier service cross the border. So this whole fiasco of, you know, being stuck and not being able to move um, and then just having to go through, you know, just the process of, getting the right part to you and you being across the border. Yeah. In our van, it felt like every two or three months there was an, an issue happening with the vehicle. And the same thing was happening with this truck that we thought was going to be more reliable and it has a reliable engine and all these things. But I guess we just hit that, that sweet age where, I mean, we've had five different repairs that we've had to do now. Um, four of which have been in the last three months and it, feels it's so draining but i think the thing that keeps us coming back to it is we are still following our dreams and still doing the things mm -hmm. that we want to do and at the end of the day we have our health and we have each other and we have our dogs in our house we just may be stranded somewhere for a little bit of time and um that's just part of it i mean some of these things we couldn't have avoided. I mean, the guy that changed our injectors and stuff, he completely tore apart our entire like engine bay. Yeah. So there was stuff that happened in Baja that was something that he couldn't even, you know, predict. It it was just 
bad luck. Um, yeah, to say the least. I mean, just hitting the wrong spot on the yeah. round. But a couple were pothole related. So you know, like we had our our um, radiator. We think happened after we smacked this pothole really hard. It was literally instant. Um, we hit it. The radiator cracked and coolant went flying all over our windshield. And I mean, it didn't help that it was, you know, so old, but. And uh, driving on Highway 1 in a box truck is a lot different than driving in one on the van. Yeah. You guys know how thin the roads can get. So yeah. um, avoiding potholes is little next to none in the box truck. So there was one thing that I would say we definitely should have done that we didn't do um, was after we had our radiator installed, um, the sun was setting. And we didn't test drive the vehicle with the mechanic. Um, so the next day we were pulling out of the RV park. We made it uh, 200 feet. Yeah. Yeah. Barely anywhere. Just right down the street. And our vehicle wouldn't accelerate. We had no thrust to it and basically was stalling out. And so we were able to pull over off the road phoned the mechanic he came and looked at it and one of our high pressure lines that goes from our transmission to the radiator had popped off and broke off and you know had we test drived it or test drove it after he was done we could have probably avoided a two-hour breakdown um but you know lesson learned we'll do that next time and he got us back on the road thankfully at no cost and we were able to get to our next destination finally but definitely you know test drive your vehicle with your mechanic in Mexico after they work on it. <laughs> I would, I would say that goes for anywhere too. You know, yeah. we, we think that we bring it to these places and it's going to be like miraculously, everything is going to be perfectly fixed. And normally, you know, I would say eight out of 10 times, I'm going to say eight out of 10 times because there's a lot of times where it doesn't happen. Uh, like you think everything's going to be done and correct and, you know, you're going to have no issues after that. I'm reminded of this time we were in Flagstaff and we had just had a breakdown and we were at the mechanic. We actually got broke down. We had to get towed to the mechanic. So we woke up at the mechanic in the morning. They fixed the part, whatever. We go, we're like, okay, great. Thank you so much. Like all good. We go to leave. Bye. We're like a hundred feet away. And the engine just starts screaming. Oh, like God. this huge noise. And we're like, what the heck? Well, and so luckily I know what's going on underneath the hood. And the only reason why I didn't change that, it was a fuel line that went bad and uh-huh. it popped and like the piece broke off. So I actually in order to get us like to several places three days before while we waited on the part, I zip tied it up to the, up to the engine and it got us around for a while until it completely blew out. Um, So it at least like got us to limp places for a while. Right. And then, and then when we, when the guy did it, he fixed it. I actually had to tell him how to bleed the system and how to prime and how to prime the system properly. And then uh, we go to drive away and like Alex says, it starts screaming Luckily, I know what's going on, and I pop my head underneath the hood, and I realize that the line going to the turbo, the air <laughs> line, was not installed properly. Oh and no! So, and that's why I was screaming. It was the turbo trying to get uh, trying to get the proper airflow. Wow. And so I got the line back on, tightened it all down, all good to go. So I think the moral of the story is is like really, you should know a little bit at least about what's going on underneath the hood if you're traveling on the road. And like, I'm not saying be a full-blown mechanic, but like to be able to identify that it's your radiator, to be able to Mm -hmm. do these things is a massive help. 
Yeah, absolutely. Definitely recommend. Yeah, we have learned more about this vehicle than any other vehicle we've owned because there's stuff that we have to do ourselves. Like when we had our high pressure power steering line bust, mm-hmm. uh, that was like our, kind of like our first breakdown in, in Mexico. Um, getting that part again wasn't an option. They just GMC down there didn't carry it. And so um, thankfully, you know, we had our friends with us and Kyle uh, took us to a, a hydraulic store and they made the part for us. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, Ken was, Ken's changed our oil multiple times. So we've saved dollars there. Um, and he's been able to reconnect sensors that get unplugged going over potholes and stuff like that. So it's, yeah, just knowing your some basics or at least having a phone, a friend uh, mm. on dial that you trust um, is very helpful. Yeah, agreed. And I would even go as far as to say like the oil change thing is actually super important because you can bring it to these little Jiffy Lubes and Valvolines and all these different places. But like our most recent rig that we just bought, it was a 1985, you know, Toyota and we just got it. So I was like, oh, you know what? I'll have them change the oil. And when they change the oil, I'm not even sure if they put oil back into it. And I think that might be the main reason why we wound up losing a motor. But like, so to do it yourself, then you could ensure and know for a fact that fluid is in there. You don't have to worry about it going dry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. That's scary, you know, because you're kind of like putting your trust in a professional. And when you leave somewhere, there's always like this moment of, oh, man, I hope they did this right. And then it turns out that they didn't. And it costs yeah. you more money and heartache in the long run is always kind of like a defeating feeling but yeah, yeah and, and for us like there's really no way to prove that right uh, because i didn't immately get out and check the oil after when we left you know we drove 500 did it. yeah we drove 500 miles with it like that so i don't know how it didn't blow sooner uh, I guess these, you know, 22 RE engines are actually pretty dang good engines. That sounds like um, yeah. to go that long with being that dry, if that was the case. Right. You know? I don't know. I think for me, like when I leave the mechanic, I'm like, great problem solved. And I think right. that like you just kind of expect that they did what they said that they were going to do. And they're the experts. Right. And I think the same is true for like when you finish your van build, because usually your van sits for a while while you're building. Mm-hmm. And then you're just so excited to like finally be done and finally be like getting on the road and finally putting that last screw in or that last whatever. And you're like so excited to get going that you kind of just forget the fact that like this is a vehicle and you have to maintain the vehicle (laughs) and you have to do all these things to make sure that it can run. And Mm -hmm. so like, I think maybe like a new, my new general rule of thumb is if you're going to buy an older vehicle, like have almost the same amount of money that you bought for the vehicle to repair the engine yeah yeah you're not wrong i mean honestly we bought our vehicle our box truck for 16 and we've put 16 back into it already in mechanic repairs so we're looking at a thirty-two thousand dollar vehicle without the outfitting at this point yeah and i will say though now that you guys have done all this stuff realistically there shouldn't be any more major issues if anything that happens it should be pretty small you know after putting in our engine um you know i did that myself so that saved us a heck of a lot of money 
but at the same time, you know, I learned a lot. It was my first ever engine swap, you know, so that was a a cool experience. Um, and also a very scary one because I didn't know if it would even turn over. (laughs) Yeah. It's terrifying. And you're like, man, I hope I put all these bolts back in the correct place. (laughs) I, I labeled and tagged and did everything. So that way, like, I know where everything goes back, but you know, it's still, it's just like, you know, it's a remanufactured motor. Like mm-hmm. did they mess up during the manufacturing process? It could be so many different things. The one great thing we have is a four year warranty now, which is excellent. And mm-hmm. uh, on top of that, we get in the rig, we started up, we start, we did the little test drive, we changed the oil. We do all the things that you're supposed to do before you, um, before you start doing any big drives and we're leaving uh, Tio Ventura's house, um, mm-hmm. Maria Jose and Chase, because we were able to do our our uh, engine repair there and mm-hmm. swap. Thank you to them. And uh, so we leave there and we're going to head from Tennessee to Florida. And within about, I think it was about an hour of driving, maybe a half hour driving to an hour of driving, all of a sudden the service engine light comes on. We start to bog down Ugh. and we stall. And I'm like, oh, no. Not again. <laughs> so I start looking around. I'm checking the oil. I'm checking all the different things because it's really important to make sure all the fluids are in there because that is the, the thing that will ruin this new engine. Right? Mm-hmm. And so I'm checking, checking, checking. I pull out my multimeter and I check the battery and the battery's super low. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, probably my alternator. Mm-hmm. So luckily we have this little jump battery set. I jump the battery, we come on, I test the, I test the connections and I test the, um, the alternator 12.6 is all I got coming out of it, which is way too low for an alternator. So the alternator is literally dying after we just replaced this whole engine. And luckily enough, we were able to limp our way, chugga, chugga, chugga to uh, O'Reilly's with just enough power to get there. And then, how that works sometimes (laughs) oh so lucky and luckily we were in the states too because they're like kind of off of every exit there's some type of auto shop you know and pull up there get an alternator and the alternator doesn't fit in the bracket no oh no yeah long story short i had to modify it myself right there on the side of the road and install it and bam we're back on the road you're becoming quite the mechanic there frankie I, I'm very fortunate to have a air conditioning background. I did that for a decade. So mechanical skills is part of the forte for that. So yeah. to just, you know, put that into being a car mechanic. You you could do that kind of, you know, it's, it's helpful. I don't know all the different things and all the solutions to everything, but I could definitely figure it out and like l- learn more as I go temperature taking temperatures and making sure all your pressures are good are like the main most important things that would help you diagnose like what the major issue is oh absolutely yeah i'll become a mechanics over here that's right (laughs) it's almost like required in van life but so i feel like you know to continue this journey that you guys are on and to keep investing in this vehicle like obviously you put your heart and soul into that build And I feel like it almost takes a bit of like a stubbornness to even like choose this lifestyle and to go against the grain, but then to also like just keep putting more into this vehicle. Would you guys say that that's something that you've like 
came into the lifestyle with or it's something that you've developed over the you know years on the road definitely developed um when we hit the road with the van you know we weren't expecting to break down every two to three months um and when we bought the box truck we were more seasoned at that point of this is what could happen this is the reality i mean honestly the the worst part about this lifestyle is when you have a mechanical issue or a system failure with your vehicle because not only is it your vehicle it's your house so if you're put out a couple of days and you can't stay in your vehicle and being repaired now you're getting homeless. your rental car and now you're homeless so you got to get a place to stay and that it really does become like a really big financial burden at that point. Um, if you know, you're not able to do a quick repair. Um, so it's, it's not ideal, but I would say all those good moments, even the nights in the Walmarts and Cracker Barrels and all the epic views that you get to see and the freedom outweigh those issues, those issues and financial costs that comes with them. Yeah, I totally agree with you guys. I I think it outweighs it by far. You know, we're about to be jumping into a new era of it for us with doing it with a family. So that will be really interesting to see how that feels. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I think that the, the whole idea of being out on the road, being able to live like the most free life that you could live you know, even if, even if it's just for your dogs, you guys seem to be reaping the benefit and the reward from actually getting out there and doing that. And I mean, for us, we've met so many wonderful people on the road and I'm sure that you guys could say the same. Do you think that living back home, wherever that might be in a stationary house that you would have had, you know, gained these friends or as many friends as you have, since you hit the road so back in austin we have um you know a good five to six seven close friends back there Uh, but as far as like you know now traveling for over two years and meeting so many different walks of life and in so many different caravans and even just along the side of the road uh definitely can't get that back at home as far as um, meeting that many people um, that all have the same commonality of wanting to be on the road and van life or whatever rig, but coming from a different place is what's really cool. Um, getting to know people. So, yeah, I think it's some of the favorite, our favorite people that we've ever met in our lives have come from this lifestyle. I mean, it's just kind of wild. We think back to some of the relationships that we've made. Um, you know, you meet them for one day. And you hit it off. And then three months later, you're still traveling with them yeah. every day. And you're like, oh, shit, it's been three months. <laughs> and it's it's kind of crazy because um, and then you go your, your different ways. And then it's beautiful a year later when you see each other again and redo it like no time has passed. And it just it works. And that, I think, is our favorite part of this lifestyle is meeting people and hearing their stories and connecting and knowing that after you know whether you're with them for a day or a week or a few months that you have the not to play on words the mobility to go to see each other again so that's that's what's really cool yeah it so the same 
time that we met y'all, um, whenever we were at Bryce after mm-hmm. Van Van Fast a couple of years ago, uh, we also met uh, Jess and Mike, and we hadn't seen them just like we haven't seen y'all in two years. And yesterday we pulled up to their property in California, and we've been hanging out with them the past couple of days and catching up. And it's so cool that this like brought us together and we get our time alone and 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 do our own thing and then we come back together and you know get to rebuild on that friendship it's kind of awesome yeah it was amazing they're they're such awesome people we've had just on the podcast before um and uh mike i think he when we talked to her last, she was he was just starting his bike ride south That's right. uh, from the Arctic Circle, I think, coming all the way down to California. Yeah, yeah just absolutely wild. Yeah. Now he's talking to he's That's already it. planning his next one. And he did what a coast to coast one, east to west coast. They did from Newport Beach all the way from New York or yeah, from Jersey, Jersey to, to California. California. Yeah. yeah. All on bike, all alone. Crazy. Yeah, it's so cool. I feel like you meet so many people on the road that are doing their hobbies and their things. And like, it's so neat to meet all these different people who got on the road for their own reasons and then stay on the road for their own reasons. Um, it's just a really amazing sense of community and finding your people, you know, yeah. like finding the people that you mesh with. Um, have you guys been to a lot of like van life events? Uh, our last and only one was van fest we had tickets that same year to do descent on bend and of course uh mechanical issue. mechanical issue we broke down and couldn't make it and mm-hmm. since then <clears throat> we haven't been to one we've been on the east coast all last year and doing a build so we are actually we were just chatting about it today we are itching for a new meetup whether that's you know schoolie palooza descent on bend something like that just to kind of be back in that um atmosphere that is just so special um mm-hmm. get to meet new people and um you know experience experience what all the pictures look like <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah totally i feel like whenever i see an event happening on social media and everybody's there and they're all posting about it in their stories we definitely get fomo mm-hmm. even Damn. if you're like on the complete other side of the country and there's no way that you could have been there but you're still like ooh, that looks fun yeah, it just happened with yeah. bus fare for for me at least. Yeah, yeah, we are we are itching, and we we do have a little bit of jealousy towards our friends uh, Adam and Brittany because they work for a company that requires them to attend these events to promote the product, and so they're always in different spaces, whether it's like overlanding vehicles or schoolies or tiny houses. You know, they're getting to meet new people every day all the time that's you know their job it's their mo and um one day we'll get to go to another event probably the one that y'all go to so that way we can see each other again <laughs> perfect Perfect. that sounds so good so <laughs> to wrap this all up one question that we like to ask is just you know if you had some advice for people who were thinking about diving into the lifestyle you know they're still maybe haven't even moved into their tiny home yet you know what <laughs> would your advice to them be do it. Like buy the vehicle, buy whatever that first big scary step is that you keep saying to yourself in your head, oh no, it's not yet. Yeah, it's not the right time. Just do it. Because once you get that financial commitment, there's nothing holding you back. You know, you got to take that first scary step. That's kind of where I'm thinking. What about you, babe? 
Yeah, as far as, you know, just feeding off that, um, you know, it's that's the biggest component. Once you make the buy of the vehicle and have the plan on to what, how to build it out, there's nothing holding you back other than you just not doing the work. So once you make that big first step, it's it's a challenge, but it's definitely worth it. And then also at a, uh, an advice that I would also share is that if it's your first rig and you're building it, um, to not be intimidated because you can find literally everything on YouTube as far as a, a DIY and the community is the best part for it. So the people that you've been following for inspiration, the new folks that you're going to be following once you start that build, you can reach out to anybody in the community about a question if they know it. Um, they'll definitely share their advice too as well. And if not, then they'll refer you to somebody else in the community that's more knowledgeable on that. So a uh, word of advice is to not be intimidated. Everybody in the community is here to help. So Yeah, I, I really got to touch on that because whenever we were building out our van, there were a couple different, you know, whether it's like plumbing or electrical or, hey, how did you fit this here or whatever it was. There were a couple key players uh, on Instagram that we never met um but we followed their their builds or we liked the way they did something every time you reached out to one of those people they always responded back with help they were never like why are you messaging me or um ignored us we always got a response and it was always very helpful so reach out this community loves to help people I think that's so amazing. We definitely have people reaching out to us all the time. And we were at a meetup in Canada recently. And actually two of the couples there were like, we reached out to you back when we were building and you guys answered the question. And it so helped us. Answer, but you also encouraged us and we're super excited for us. And uh, I think that's just like a big part of the community like you're talking about. Yeah. And if you like really want super in-depth information too, you know, a lot of us fan lifers do have consultation calls that you could do if you want to do like a full hour session or something. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's many of us out here that have that, you know, availability uh, for you. So we are one of those people. (laughs) Oh, nice. Thanks for plugging it. (laughs) Y'all really are a wealth of knowledge and you've been on the road, you've seen things, you've worked on things, you're now on your third vehicle. Like, yeah, you you know what you're talking about. There you go. Well, I feel like you guys know what you're talking about, too. And it's so great to talk to you tonight. And we'll definitely have all your links down below so people can reach out and check out that beautiful box truck build that you guys have just finished. And I know that it's been a lot of heartache for you. And, you know, but hopefully you're on the other side of that. And you can now kind of enjoy life on the road. I'm sure there'll still be ups and downs because that's what van life is. But sometimes there's a pretty big like hurdle to get over at the beginning to like be able to enjoy life on the road so oh good yeah for you guys for sticking it out thank you yeah we heard our uh break squealing yesterday so we'll see what that brings <laughs> you know yeah it's always pretty- something hey if you catch it early enough it's just pads right right, right. no rotors yeah, no rotors <laughs> no scraping <laughs> all right guys thank you so much so happy that you uh reached out to us and that we got to finally make it work you know know, between the breakdown and driving back to the states it's uh gotten put off a couple times so we appreciate y'all being patient with us and making it happen absolutely man do i miss those guys they are just awesome people i love their dogs paco got along with them right away too which was great and you know it, it 
like Alex was saying earlier, you know, it's amazing when you just find your tribe, the people that you really enjoy. And we can't wait for the opportunity to get to meet up with them again. And it's interesting because we were talking about a hot summer and hot summer van life with a dog is definitely different because you have to be thinking about your dog and, you know, you worry about leaving anybody, anything, child, dog, human inside of a hot vehicle. Right. Yeah. Um, but so in the van, when we did do this hike at Bryce Canyon with Molly and Ken, they had their two dogs and Paco were all in their van together mm-hmm. and you put up all the window curtains, you put the fans on, you do everything that you can. And when we came back, all the dogs were super happy. Yeah. No problems. Um, but you really do have to be mindful that like, okay, what can I do to prevent the van from overheating while I'm gone? Make sure there's lots of water. There's also systems that you can purchase that would kind of track Um, like Bluetooth track the temperature inside the vehicle. So if it does start getting too high, you can find out. Yeah. And make sure you get one that you know and you trust, like read the reviews, make sure you find something really specific that you have a really good Bluetooth connection with and you could go, you know, maybe miles away from it and still be connected. Uh, Because sometimes you get some of them and it could be a little faulty. So make sure you test it before you get on the road. Well, and I would also say you don't necessarily need something that's specific for like watching your dog at home Um, because those can be expensive and often they come with a like monthly service fee, which is kind of annoying. And if you're a van life budgeter, like we are having a new monthly payment, isn't something that you really want to take on. No, thank you. Yeah. So even something as simple as like a Bluetooth thermometer or something like that, that you would use for a house that you could set up inside the vehicle. Um, that could be really useful rather than, you know, getting a system that's specifically designed for pets in RVs, which also does work. And if you don't mind making the payment, then like, great. Mm -hmm. But if you're being a little bit more budget thrifty, then definitely do your research and see what the options are out there. Yeah, I think that's a great idea. And I mean, what I liked about this podcast, it was very much authentically what was going on in their lives. Like, you know, they had issues with both their first rig and their second rig. And look at them, they're still out on the road. So it shows that they actually do love life on the road and they're willing to deal with the problems that occur. And, you know, that's just really a big part of van life is you might get lucky and you might never have a breakdown in three years four mm-hmm. years. Mm-hmm. But at some point in time, it's going to happen. It's just like if you had a house, you know, and you lived in that house, you're going to have things that pop up to repair. I mean, I know that my mother's house in Florida, not that long ago, just had the air conditioning go out. That's that's a hefty bill. That's $15,000 that you're going to wind up spending to put in a new system. Mm-hmm. You know, so you got to think that no matter what life you're living, if you're If you're in that life, there's going to be something that pops up. Which is why it's always so important to have an emergency fund, to have some cash set aside. I know that it's not definitely possible for everybody, but even if you could put a couple hundred bucks away for a rainy day, you know, it definitely will help take away some of that stress when Mm -hmm. these events do happen. Because, you know, like Molly was saying, it's not just your vehicle it's your house Mm -hmm. so now it's like do we get a hotel do we get an airbnb like where do we go what do we do like we you know you're homeless you're in the middle of nowhere you might not know anybody you might not have a network where you are so having that little bit of extra cash stashed away even just to have like a night at a hotel and not have to like think about it you know is such a blessing yeah i mean even you know we had situations where we tried to car camp it and it's really difficult and luckily we had people in our life that you know, shout out to Bart really, uh, that hooked us up at a hotel, you know, and, and, you know, granted we probably could have afforded it, but we didn't want to spend the money on it. Like we were very, 
uh, we would pinch in pennies at that point. Well, and we it, also it had we had a bunch of expenses came up. You know, we just got back Alaska from Alaska. Was very it was expensive, very expensive yeah. and. Our credit card bills are really high and yep. we, you know, we were feeling the pinch on the income. And so, yeah. you know, when your expenses are higher than your income, things let's, get a little bit stressful. Let's just say everything sounded like cha-ching, cha-ching, cha-ching. You know, that's all it was. It was just money sounds everywhere. That makes me think money's coming in. Like yeah. I'm like, Ooh, yeah. Well, that's money coming in for somebody else. It's going out for you. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so totally relate. And now in the van that we're in currently, you know, we had bunch of engine issues so much of an engine issue that we needed a whole new engine, yeah. which was not a cheap endeavor. And so, you know, luckily we had just sold Olive, which was our second van and had this nest egg of money to be able to afford the repairs. But at some point you have to look at yourself and be like, where is the cutoff point of like how much money I'm willing to put into this vehicle. Yeah. And it's hard when it's your home and you love it. Mm -hmm. And especially if you've already done this whole build or like Molly and Ken, you just finished the build. Yeah. And so now not just that you have the money, you know, the grant, the couple grand that you invested in the purchase, but now you've got tens of thousands of dollars in the build. Yeah. And, and I, how do you walk away from that? Well, it's really difficult, you know, and I think the thing that you start to think about is like, oh, I could actually make some money on selling it right now, even if it just gets me out of the hole. Um, you know, and you hope that the, the industry doesn't, you know, fall flat and, and the vehicle price and the build goes down a lot because realistically you do want to make some money when you, when you do this change, but not always, you know, that, that's not always the case. Yeah. I mean, you know, the best hope is that you would break even Yeah, and, you know, especially if you've got a lot of money put into the engine and you don't want to sell something that's not working. And if you do sell something that's not working, you should disclose that. And you should also, you know, discount that on the price. You yeah. know, say you got a quote and they're like, okay, to fix this vehicle is going to cost you $6,000. You don't have that, but now you're going to sell it to somebody. You should really disclose that it's, you know, it needs some work. Yeah, for sure. For sure. You, I, well, you have to, I mean, I wouldn't say you have to, but if they ask you questions, is there anything wrong with that vehicle? You have to tell them that information. Yeah. I saw a funny little TikTok the other day. It was from some like dad channel and it was like stages of RV ownership. Mm -hmm. And the first stage was like, oh, I would never do that. And the second stage was like, oh, look at Brad and his RV. Wow. That's really cool. And then the third stage is like buying an RV. And when they're buying the RV, the guy who's selling it is like, yeah, it's great. New transmission, new plugs, new sparks, new this, new that, new leak, new seal knew this blah, yeah. blah. and he's like okay yeah here's a check and the guy throws the keys and runs, runs. <laughs> he just like bolts across the parking lot to get away from him yeah and he's like oh that was weird and they go on their first trip and you know clink clink boom yeah <laughs> the whole car uh, so then they take it to the mechanic and the next phase was that'll be a thousand because <laughs> the mechanic at the rv shop is like Oh, your seal's broken. That'll be a thousand. Oh, your fridge isn't working right. That'll be a thousand. Well, ho oh. <laughs> hopefully they've uh, talked those a couple of thousand off the price and then they wind up just paying that <laughs> same knows? what they, you know, intended to pay. Originally. Yeah, it ends with the guy selling it to some other unsuspecting uh, couple and running away oof. like the first guy did. Well, I will say that there is, you know, no matter what RV you get into, if it's a fully finished RV, there's going to wind up being things that you want to change anyway. Just because you live differently than the person previous that was living in it. Yeah. Well, even like one of the members in our Discord group, which uh, you can join by either becoming a Patreon or by buying our van build guide. 
in the Discord, she was talking about how, you know, they didn't build their rig. They bought a Winnebago built rig. Yeah. And she's like, I don't even know how much time we're going to get to spend in it this summer because there's a bunch of things wrong with the build. Like uh-huh. the engine is great, yep. but the build has a bunch of things wrong with it. And so it's falling apart. And it's impossible to get like uh, appointments Warranty. at the dealership. So then it's like, okay, yeah, we'll take you in four weeks. And you're like, okay, well, can I like, can I live in this for the next four weeks or use it for the next four weeks? <laughs> no, you know, not so. at that rate. So, you know, uh, the idea I think is that getting your hands dirty and fixing it, especially if it's some small things, you know, is probably the best thing you could do in that case. And that's what they're going to do most likely, you know, and, and the, you know, that's the problem with buying the the ones from the manufacturers is you think you're going to get this beautiful warranty, which is great. You have a warranty, but if you can't get in and get it fixed, then how are you ever going to use it? Yeah. I think with any van life rig, it's kind of the hope and the dream that when you get in it, you're just like on the road and freedom and nothing's ever going to go wrong. Yeah. And then, you know, being on the road for a little while, you realize, oh, that was pretty, pretty naive yeah. to think that way. I will say we sold our van to a guy and he told me everything's going good. It's driving great. No problems uh-huh. with it. And like the sense of engine stuff. Um, he said that the main thing is that he'll probably change the toilet out to like, a like, cause he's renting it. Mm-hmm. So instead of being like the style that we had, he'll probably get like the cassette style. Like a more legit, the camper friendly toilet. Yeah. He was basically like, I'm just going to change a couple of things. Cause then it's more friendly to people that are renting mm-hmm. rather than a full-time thing. Yeah. Which is totally is, fair. Yeah. Full-time is different than, than part-time, you know? Yeah. Well, and especially if you've never lived in a van before yeah. and then they're like, here's a bucket to poop in. And you're like. Uh, what? <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> I do not comprehend. <laughs> I will not enter this vehicle. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it's just one of those things. But yeah, so just to wrap it up, we want to say thank you so much to everybody who listens. It's been incredible. Like, we're so thankful for you guys. I don't think you have any idea how thankful we are for you. I think it's probably pretty even you thankful for us as we are for you. Mm-hmm. And so, with that being said, we hope that you all have an FA day. Everybody knows it's true. Band life, YouTube channel, what they do. Everybody's got to get money. Everybody's about to get money. Make sure you subscribe to their YouTube channel, FNA Van Life. All that.